When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Let's uh, have a couple quotes for the season. This one, I think, makes a lot of sense if you're in the Christmas mood. It's not how others make us feel that is important in life, but rather how we make others feel. Ain't that the truth? And here's something I think has been forgotten a lot. Good manners are just a way of showing other people that we have respect for them. That's the truth. And then C.S. Lewis, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. I think that's the truth, too. Anyway, um, so this is a live show. So if you've got questions, you can call in. The number here is 216-901-0946. Uh, and, you know, we... we <laughs> We suggest that uh, if you have a question and you'd like to talk to us, you know, you can either call us or you can make an appointment with us. You know, I'm kind of booked next week, which is unusual uh, because the week before Christmas, but I have five or six appointments next week. Uh, People are starting to to come in and talk about the wealth plan. You know, I I keep bringing up the, the point about Alice. You know, Alice is in Wonderland and she walks up to the Cheshire cat who's sitting up in the tree. And he's fading in and out, and there's a fork in the road. And she says, uh, which road should I take? And he says, well, where are you trying to go? And she said, uh, I'm not sure. And he said, well, either road will get you there. So without a plan, you got a problem. And uh, most of the people coming in next week are, are uh, you know, looking for a plan. Also, uh, for those of you guys who are looking to save some money on taxes, you know, and you have a small business or even a large business. We had Dane Toppich on a couple of weeks ago. You can go back on, if you go to WHK1420's webpage, you go to Smart Investor Show. They, they uh, you know, record my shows and you can listen to what Dane has to say. He's got, he's with Dunbar Bender and he's, he's got a, I mean, this guy knows more about retirement plans and ways to save you money. Believe me, I've, I've seen a couple examples that he's done. Phenomenal work. Uh, so if you have, you know, you still get time by the end of the year, uh, uh, we may have to hustle, but we still have time. Um, and if you'd like to set up an appointment to, to talk about a wealth plan or even have me review your portfolio, great idea. Um, you know, uh, I, I've had several people uh, say, Tim, I'm really bearish. You will everybody else. Uh, but just remember, five years after recession, the market and this is like 95% of the time, just so you know, is two and a half, two to two and a half times where it is at the bottom. So that, that's something to think about. Uh, you know, um, I was I, I was looking at things and I, I was trying to figure out exactly, uh, I mean, look, this is a tough time because the Fed keeps, I mean, you're raising rates like there's no tomorrow. And I think what they saw was the downtrend line, you know, of the yields breaking out, and they're trying to get it back down to where, you know, it was. Um, you know, and here's the hard part, is that the market it didn't hit a new low this week, although it, the, the bullish percent did turn down. Um, but, 
you know, interest rates affect the economy six months ahead of time. When you look at it, the first three-quarter point increase was six months ago. We got three more to go and a half, okay? So that's where people are getting really bearish, and they're starting to say to themselves, you know, is this guy nuts? Uh, because the day after, they've, uh, and I'm going to talk about the Tom Porcelli's comments, and the day after, they raised rates a half, the Fed raised rates a half, the numbers were pretty bad. All right, the retail sales numbers were really bad, and we're going into Christmas, you know. And and also the industrial production numbers were down, the most I've seen in a month in a pretty long time, you know, since the pandemic. And before that, it was a long, long time before that. So, I guess the key questions involves which sectors in the U.S. would benefit most from the dollar. All right, uh, weakness, and that's number one. Number two. We still have pretty expensive U.S. valuations relative to Europe, and that's another problem for the U.S. equity outlook in 2023. So, I, you know, I think we're going to be gradually going up, but it's going to be a sawtooth thing. It's really going to drive a lot of people crazy, and I think 2024 is going to be a huge year because I think they're going to, at the, the latter part of this year, I mean 2023, you're going to see some serious rate decreases. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, if you look at p- a potential sector beneficiaries of a weaker U.S. dollar and the China reopening, um, it, it's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of tough to, uh, uh, figure that out. You, you would think it would be, um, you know, the sectors for tech, industrials and materials would be the best places to be, although industrials took a whopping on Thursday and Friday, um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I should say. So it's going to be difficult to figure out where we're going. We're going to talk about that more latter part of the show. But, you know, if, if you give, you got to give Powell credit. He's sticking to his narrative that we have more to do and rates will remain elevated for some time. He had said those things, uh, and we suggested, you know, last week, and, and Tom Portelli, you know, uh, uh, our head economist, said uh, in, in his commentary he gives him credit for toning down the markish you know he, he toned down the hawkish stance that he had and he had to do this since there is no economic justification to go the route again given the recent data flow and it would have been hard to have been as aggressively hawkish since they went from the 75 down to 50 so at a high level he did what he's supposed to do and even if we don't agree with him <laughs> he did what he's supposed to so some of the economic projections are head scratchers. Uh, a nearly half percentage point increase in core inflation. Uh, what data are they looking at? You know, um, most officials uh, likely submitted their estimates prior to you know uh, this week's CPI, but since the September uh, number um, that showed some improvement, uh, one of the months revealed notable improvement. But you hit inflation almost by half a percentage point. So. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll look forward and go go from here. But you know, we had two big numbers this week: the CPI and then the FMOC. And uh, the CPI was was better than expected, and and then they raised raised half a point anyway. Uh, so the November core CPI of 0.3 percent or so is a major break in the trend, and they still raise rates. So 
it, you know, it, it's hard to agree with the Fed, and I think they were late in coming in, and they were late in leaving. And you know what? The bond market's been right. And the bond market's a lot bigger than the stock market, and there's no insider information, okay? The information's all out there. So, the, you know, the bond market had told us well before the Fed started raising rates that they should have raised rates earlier. And now the 10-year Treasury is down three-quarters of a percent in yield in just the last month. I mean, when, when you're at four and a quarter, four and a half, you know, 440, I guess, was the high. You know, that's a big move down. It's a big move down. So, the, you know, the, the lag CPI uh, finally, you know, you saw the reality of rapidly falling inflation, I think. Uh, so I think there'll be less pressure from the Fed, but he was still hawkish. So, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's a tough thing. So we've got the bond market calling inflation right in 2022, as they did in 2021. And the Fed doesn't know it yet. And they didn't know it then. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. Now, uh, look, I've been talking about dividend growth for a while, and I think you got to understand something. When people grow their dividend, even in bad times, that is a sign of them flexing their financial muscles, okay? So the economic growth outlook has weakened, but it's still solid enough to support dividend growth. That's my view, and that's RBC's view too. So we believe that you want to focus on high-quality stocks during uh, periods of economic uncertainty. Now, Lori Calvacinas is also talking about that she thinks small caps are at such a big discount that when we when they start lowering rates, that's what's going to lead the market. But in the meantime, we believe consistent dividend growth over long term is a signal of high quality businesses. Okay, and there's some out there right now that are down and out that look really really good. So we expect a lot of those high-quality businesses to outperform in the event of an economic slowdown is what I'm trying to tell you. Also, you know, we're looking at a pretty compelling valuation. Remember, you want to buy dividends or you want to buy yield when it's up. Therefore, when the yield's up, usually the stock or the bond is down, okay? So we believe dividend growth stocks remain very attractive. Uh and dividends, you know, stock yields versus corporate bond yields, if you look at those, corporate bond yields are higher, but still face some inflation and some, you know, rising interest rate risk. So the growth of the dividend stocks is probably better. All right. The other thing is, one of the things I think you got to take a look at is the spread between high yield bonds and corporate bonds and the treasury. It's about five and a half percentage points. And that's something to pay attention to. I haven't said, you know, go jump in there yet, but I think you don't want to pay attention to it. Uh, now, the consensus S&P 500 dividends call for 10% growth in 2022. It's only 5% in 2023 because of higher interest rates, obviously. So interest rates, uh, you know, trends impact value versus growth performance. Okay, so what you know, what you want to be looking at basically is value versus growth. And if you look at the relative forward P.E. valuation, a P.E. is just a price to earnings ratio. So if, if your stock is 20 and your earnings are 10 or are 2, your P.E. is 10. 
So dividend aristocrats versus the index, just you know, they're just at average. They're not very you know extremely over overbought or uh, you know have extreme valuations. They're average. So they're still a good place to be. Okay, uh, I think people got to keep that in mind. So by the way, the dividend growth and the prime income list are not down. They're flat for the year. And being flat in a down 18% market looks pretty good. Okay, our friends at Marshfield are up, so they're up five, six percent. So you know the, we, the stuff we've been touting for years and years and years on this show works in a down market. And when you don't lose money, you tend to make more. Okay. Um, dividend investing performs best when you focus on dividend growth and high quality businesses. Now, some people like the prime income list deals with current income. That's for people who are retired. And usually that's pretty high quality stuff too. So, uh, don't forget dividends, you know, uh, returned by, you know, if you look at the returns by dividend policy, if you started it in 1990 and, and yeah, I think you put a hundred bucks in. You have about four or five thousand. I think you have four thousand bucks right now. If you if you did it just without dividend growth, you'd have about twenty two hundred. So it's important that you you know you pay attention to the dividends. Uh, and believe me, the demographics are very favorable for dividends right now. You know, there's a lot. The percentage of the U.S. population age sixty five plus is expected to grow to twenty one percent in two thousand thirty. That's from seventeen percent right now. So retirees value growing dividend income streams, okay? So just remember that. Uh, you know, look, investors like have dividends. And you know what? If Even if you're 40 right now and you start to use dividend growth and you reinvest the dividends, that's called compounding, folks. <laughs> that's how you can make a fortune, especially if the stock goes up. So... You right now, you're not. Yeah, you may not get the absolute low. I, I'm not suggesting anybody's going to get the absolute low. It's very difficult in a period like this. You know, the Fed's gone crazy, but if you start to nibble at them, you know, if you're a 500 share buyer and you buy 100 shares of a stock, and then if it makes like a U-shaped bottom, which a lot of stocks are, and, and some of them are coming up, have uh, hit bottom and start turned up. As they buy more, as you buy more shares when you're 40, believe me, it's a slow growth method to make a fortune over a long period of time. Uh, look, the Mimi stocks are getting killed. People who are out there thinking that uh, you can make a fortune doing that, uh, I don't think so. But anyway, uh, I think the big question right now is have we passed the event horizon in the bond market? Uh, you know, this has been a year of nonstop surprises. I looked at the old the, the St. Louis Fed letter from October of last year, and they were talking about a half a point, maybe a quarter. Heck, they did that in a month. You know, they they did it every month <laughs> for four months in a row. So, so are we ahead of that event, of, uh, event horizon in the bond market? And a lot of people seem to think so, but. Uh, you know, the Fed keeps talking tough, and they'll talk tough. You know, they were talking, staying loose. You know, the inflation's transitory right until the time they started raising interest rates. Okay? So uh, that's something I think is, is important. And, uh, you know, I think the, the economic calendar is pretty loose 
you know, there's not a lot of things coming out this next week or the week after. So uh, we're coming on a period of time where, you know, I think we're going to pay closer attention. I, by the way, I still like preferreds, uh, and I'm, um, you know, I think as we get closer to the end of the the tightening, I think we're pretty close to the end of the tightening, in my humble opinion. Uh, that's my humble opinion now. Uh, Tom Porcelli, I think, feels the same way. Uh, uh, you know, Jeremy Siegel, if you listen to him on CNBC, he thinks the Fed's nuts. They've gone nuts. Uh, but anyway, the point is, some of these preferreds have been beat up. and they get Five or 6% yields, that's not a bad place to go either. So when yields up, folks, that's when you want to buy, okay? Now, the Treasury yield right now is inverted more than I've ever seen it which usually means that the economy is going to slow. And remember, we just six months passed the first three-quarter point increase. we got three more to go and a half. So I think that the market's going to slow down. And with that, I think you have to pay very close attention. And look, the Federal Reserve, they attempted to deliver another hawkish performance this week. But after an extended run this year, market reaction suggests that the act may be wearing thin here. Okay. And we maintain our view that Treasury yields have peaked and policymakers should, you know, they're, I think they're going to start to cut rates next year. OK, so by any by any metric, the Fed's latest commentary meeting was more hawkish than it should have been. That's Tim's opinion. That's RBC's opinion. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back. If you've got a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Some things in life are optional, but indoor plumbing isn't one of them. So if your drain stops working... Oh no! Oh no! Please stop! Please stop! Ah! Mom! Fixing it becomes priority number one. So call Wyattworks. We'll come out, get your water flowing again, then scope your line with a camera to show you exactly what you're dealing with. Most of the time, cabling or jutting is all you need. Problem solved. And on the off chance you need more than that, you'll be really glad you called us because we offer repair options that the other guys don't have, along with financing for bigger jobs. In fact, if you called someone else first and you're not sure they're on the level, call us and we'll scope your line, show you the images, and provide a second opinion for free. Plumbing isn't optional, but you've got plenty of options who to call when it stops working. Why not choose the hardworking, straight-talking, do-it-right plumbers at Wyattworks? Consider it done at wyattworks.com. License number 30185. Charlie Kirk isn't into risky propositions right now. My current position, which admittedly is a reaction to not winning enough in November. I'm not exactly big into taking risks right now. Maybe you are, and you say, Charlie, we need a warrior speaker, whatever it takes. Okay, then you must entertain the risk that some moderate Republicans might co-caucus with Democrats. The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon, right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. 
we're back. And if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, you know, I, I had an interesting uh, morning meeting the other day, and uh, I thought I'd bring it up. You know, one of the things we've been talking about is healthcare, and healthcare was at the bottom of the barrel, and it's moving up slowly but surely. Uh, but one of the things that's really worked well is, is large cap biotech. You know, Gilead Sciences has done well. Regeneron, Amgen was doing well till they bought somebody and then they backed up a little bit. Still, you know, some of them have done really quite well. Um, Biogen IDEX has been up. And, you know, so, uh, but I thought it was interesting. At, uh, and, and, you know, Brian Abrams and Greg Ranza are, are pretty good analysts and they know what they're doing, Brian especially. Uh, he runs the show there, you know, and they had an interesting comment. And he said, 2023, the RBC bio out, outlook report. And this is the, this is what the headline was. Small is the new big. They expect the momentum to shift down the capitalization scale. So the biotech sectors finally started to show signs of life again after like seven years of getting beat up. I mean, some of the some of the biotechs, you know, the small ones have gone from like, I mean, uh, I was looking, I, I I counted 900 biotech stocks that were above 10 that are below two now. OK, and I've seen some, uh, you know, that were in the 140, 150 that are below five. So they've been killed, but they started to show lo- uh, signs of life and it's it's driven in part by favorable commercial performance and clinical readouts. And uh, we would continue to hold the larger cap names, by the way. We would expect revenue resiliency there and less binary risk. And I think there's a solid sentiment to maintain the momentum into early 2023 anyway. But after a challenging year and a half, which we've really seen some bad things happen, we're starting to see things in the biotech deservedly start to turn around. Uh, the volatility will probably remain pretty high. I mean, you'll still see stocks, you know, close at at ten and, and open up at five. But the valuation disconnects uh, versus other sectors, especially among larger cap biotechs and profitable mid caps with healthy base businesses and balance sheets, became better appreciated. Um, there's money flow in some of these things. Uh, you're starting to see it, uh, and I, I've got a list of names. But we are expecting to move down to the the, the mid cap and smaller cap area, which means I think that going forward, uh, there's some there's going to be some great opportunities there. Now, this is not for widows or orphan folks. This is for you guys and gals that like to trade. Okay. All right. So, you know, I, the S and P 500 was unable to push through 4100 this week uh, following a Tuesday CPI report. Um, that raises the question whether the inflation report was a seldom news event. And since the bullish percent turned down, I guess it is. Um, while today's FMOC meeting, or, or this week's FMOC meeting, and Friday's quarter end option expiration are, are likely to lead uh, to further volatility, um, I think a pullback, should they develop, will likely be short lived. Now, people think I'm crazy on that one, but, but I just look at. Um, you know, Rob Schleimer's work and the momentum and the momentum still oversold. So, you know, I just keep that in the back of my head. Uh, short term, we're a little bit, you know, we had a big move from that September 30. Remember, on September 30th, that Saturday, I said I thought we hit bottom 
we, we had a pretty big move. We had a 10, 12% move from there. So I think we're a little bit oversold on a daily chart, but getting, you know, just a little bit oversold, you know, we made a big move and, and still oversold in, in a weekly chart and very oversold on a monthly chart. So there we go. Now the 10 year yield, uh, is that pretty key support? So, uh, well, I, I would say 3.1 is key support, really big time key support, but we're at near term support and it, it'll probably bounce once or twice. The dollar getting whack. So the, the dollar led the yields up, you know, if your treasury bond or your government bond goes up in yield, your your currency goes up with it until a point where usually the currency leads the yield down. So the dollar looks like, uh, you know, it doesn't have support till 101. So things will get really kind of interesting. I did notice that semiconductors broke their downtrend line and they've come right back to it, by the way. Uh, you know, Semiconductors are regularly viewed as a barometer for the economy. So their recent strength is a very noteworthy, noteworthy divergence uh, from the growing consensus view of a recession in 2023. Remember, Congress, and, and mostly votes from the Democrats, they spent a lot of money in the first two years of Mr. Biden's campaign, okay, or his presidency. Guess when they start spending that money? January 1st, folks. So you're going to see a lot of money be put into green stocks. And, and, you know, the other thing I like about the semiconductor area is their relative strength broke its downtrend line. So we'll see if it holds. Uh, you know, we'll never know. But uh, the energy stocks, you know, I, I mentioned that, you know, you've got to be careful with these things now. Uh, they did, the, 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 they turned up, they're pretty oversold. And I got to think if, you know, the, the relative strength held, okay? So I got to think if they're going to refill the reserves, that these stocks probably have another year or two to go. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But, uh, you know, you, you've got to, uh, like, I don't want to say for absolute. I mean, you know, uh, nothing is absolute. <laughs> but I'd be watching those because if we haven't been in them, uh, now, I've sold a couple of my smaller cap ones. I sold half a while back. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I'd just be a little bit more uh, careful with them, let's say that that way. Now, uh, in healthcare, I saw a stock that's bottoming near its 200-week moving average, and I think it's it's one of the best stocks on the planet, one of the best-run companies on the planet. Um and I'm seeing a couple laggard technology stocks starting to bottom. And I saw some semiconductors that I like, and I, I got one that I really like. Um, now, I haven't bought a whole lot of them yet because I was worried that the bullish percent was going to turn down, and it did. Uh, so I'll, I'll be getting my uh, buy tickets ready when the bullish percent pulls back. We'll talk about that later. But the S&P 500 index, you know, got right to its downtrend line and then died and then it broke the short-term uptrend line so uh, you know we've got some support at 3900 and then we got some more support at 3600 uh so you know the russell did break its downtrend line and then pull back it's right at its downtrend line so that's something we have to pay attention to you know if it doesn't hold then it's a 
you know, it's, it's going to be a bad breakout, but we'll see. We're getting it. You know, we're still in that time of year, folks, when, you know, people are uh, much bullish. And once again, the, the put-to-call ratio is still over 1.4. It doesn't get that high very often. So what I mean, what a put, a put is, is a bet on the downside. So if you buy an options and you want to buy the downside, a put option is what you buy. You buy a call option when you're bullish. Usually people are more bullish than bearish. So the, the put-to-call ratio is usually about, so they're buying maybe 40% the number of, of puts to calls. Now we're, we're buying 1.40% more puts than we buy calls. That's usually a contrarian signal. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, we're in a weekly seasonal positive time. You know, uh, it, it, this time of the year has always been good. And don't forget, there's usually a Santa Claus rally. Um, you know, and, and you got to remember that part. Now, one of the things I've been noticing if, ever, if you don't know what the VIX is, you should. The VIX is the volatility index for all those people who are, you know, trying to look at their own account. And one of the things that the volatility has been doing has been bouncing. It was bouncing between 15 and 28, and then it started bouncing between 19 and 35, 36. Well, we got to 19 again, and it held. So it's probably going to bounce up again. Uh, is it going to 30? I don't know. Uh, but We'll find out. And I keep getting calls. Uh, I had Martin call me. Uh, Mark called me. Brian called me. Uh, Keith called me. You know, a bunch of guys called me and asked me about growth stocks. Growth stocks remain on a relative strength downtrend compared to value. You know, value this year is only down like 2%. Growth stocks, you know, that's the NASDAQ composite. It's still down 35%. You know, so... Uh, the value stocks, and I find in my portfolios, I've got mostly uh, value stocks and dividend stocks. They're holding up pretty well. Any kind of growth stock got, got whacked, okay? So the other thing we have to look at is the high beta stocks, which means the industrials, you know, that type of thing. They had kind of a, uh, established a little bit of a double bottom. So they have a big rounded, big rounded bottom. So that's still the place I'd look, all right? In the meantime, Let's take a break. Remember, the, the number here is 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, it's time to have a back-to-basics holiday with family and friends this year. So I was thinking, where can I go to get gifts that people can actually use? Well, of course, I thought of Copley Feed. In these times of rising prices, we want our presents to be truly worthwhile. And Chrissy was happy to give me some great ideas. She showed me the great selection of men's, women's, and kids' wool mix socks, muck boots that everyone raves about, warm winter work gloves, outdoor decorative wind balloons, wind chimes, and so much more. Copley Feed also 
also carries local honey, old-fashioned pancake and soup mixes, and bulk candies. And of course, there are those on your list that have pets, maybe a water softener that needs salt, those wild bird enthusiasts, and so many more. Well, the best gift for them just might be a gift card from Copley Feed. This could help them spread their budget out over the coming year. So with gas prices inching up, why drive all over town looking for a gift when you can just come to Copley Feed on South Cleveland Maslin Road in Copley and get the perfect gift that people can use and appreciate. Now that I've got your attention, let me tell you all about us. Whoa, tough crowd. Anybody out there? Hello, anyone? Fighting to be heard in today's competitive digital world? It's time for Salem Surround. Let us handle everything and get your message seen and heard. Let's turn up the volume on your business with Salem Surround. Visit surroundcleveland.com today. That's surroundcleveland.com. Love that Charlie Brown music. <laughs> hey, um, I, I just got an email from Pam. And Pam said, you know, why aren't growth stocks working? And look, I just think if, you know, if you look at the big picture, Pam, uh, and she's listening, but by the way, right now, um, inflation's at a 40-year high. The Fed and other central banks are really focused on inflation. Economic growth is slowing. You know, you got some recession risk, which I think the market's been telling you for a year now. Uh, earnings revisions are, you know, ahead. Maybe who knows? Uh, you know, you know, midterm elections came up. Geopolitical developments will add noise uh, to the market. Uh, the, so I think what, the market's going to remain choppy. It's a tug of war, you know, and, and bottoming can be messy. Okay. It's that simple. So I guess the theme is, is growth dead? Uh, I don't know. That, that you know, that, that's the million dollar question right now. So we'll find out, I guess, going forward. Uh, you know, it's funny because I've had a, a lot of people uh, ask me, uh, you know, why aren't you buying these great growth stocks while they're down? Well, I'm not that I'm not. It's just I'm really not yet. <laughs> anyway, um, so I did notice, uh, you know, the bullish percent came in this week, and let's talk about the bullish percent. It's our one of our main uh, risk uh, guides, shall we say? Okay. This was designed back in the early, you know, twenties, thirties, by people that worked for Charles Dow of, you know, the Dow Theory and Dow Jones and all that good stuff, and uh, they were all point and figure chart people, you know, X's nose. So you know, it's kind of like the box theory with regular charting put together. And uh, one of the things they noticed is that when the market went, uh, they, they drew a graph from zero to hundred, and when it got over seventy, the market was too hot to handle. And that's when you should be careful. When you got below 30, that's when you should be very aggressive and greedy, okay? Uh, most people think the opposite way is what the problem is. Uh, that's what we've been trying to teach you on this uh, thing for, you know, what, however long we've been on the air. So the, the key is, though, uh, when, when you go into a column of O's, risk is higher. It doesn't mean you have to sell all your stocks or anything like that. It just means risk is higher, and you have to be paying attention more. That's where we are right now. And uh, when you get below 30 now, again, you got to pay attention. So we were at 54, and we, we are now at uh, 
Well, the bullish percent came at 41.96. So we went down 13% in a week. It was a bad week. There's no doubt about it. The over-the-counter index was down pretty big. And it's, it's, it's still in a column of, of X's, but just barely. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, it, I mean, like 0.1% away from uh, going down. But the over-the-counter index, I've been seeing more and more small caps, uh, you know, showing up on my charts. And the world index did fall into a column of O's, too. So the defensive team's on the field. We've got to wait till we get to a column of X, X's before we bring the offensive team on the field. So, you know, like I said, you know, we've been talking about dynamic asset level investing. And where we are is cash is the number one asset class. International equities are number two. Domestic equities are number three. Commodities are number four. Bonds are number five. And currencies are number six. So we're still seeing some currency problems out there. And, you're, you know, uh, Japan's changing some things around. And uh, Britain's still under, you know, their, their, the pound is, is wobbly, shall we say. So I think this will all be done when we, uh, I mean, when the Fed's raising interest rates like this, there's going to be a, another currency that gets wiped out. That's Tim's opinion. So I think what you have to look at is domestic equities are number third. They're not dead last. Remember, that's when we, uh, back in 2007, we said that domestic equities are the lowest form of life. And they stayed that way for a year and a half. So there's no reason to buy domestic equities. You know, I had people start accounts with me, and I never invested them. I never charged them any fees or anything like that. You know, either, but I never invested them. We just stayed in cash until domestic equity started to turn up. And that was, uh, you know, we, we said that uh, on the show, I think it was March 7th or something like that of 2009. We said, I think we've hit a generational low. So the point is, we are on the defensive right now. Okay. Now, the, the Dow Jones, uh, you know, which had broken out, is, is probably going to pull back. Uh, but I do think, and, and you know, Rob Schleimer thinks the same thing. Rob is our head technician and a very, very good technician that you should use the pullback to buy, right? Uh, now, and, and I looked at the Dow stock, and it, you know, it's interesting. Um, fourth quarter performance is by names that we weren't expecting. People like Boeing and Nike and Home Depot and Procter and Gamble, but you know, the best stock of the year has been Merck. Nobody's really talked about Merck. Uh, you know, and also Chevron, Chevron and Merck. So we, we bought Chevron two years ago, but, and, but, you know, Merck and Amgen have been two of the drivers. They're in the healthcare area, folks. Okay. So we've been talking about healthcare for some time now. So now the dynamic asset level investing has energy still at the top, but it's, it, it's lost some votes. Basic materials, number two, Consumer non-stickical, other staples, financials, and then industrials. Industrials got beat up Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, just so you know. And then utilities and healthcare, uh, they're not favored, but they're not unfavored. And still dead last was communication services. They've been there for a while, and I noticed there was some pickup in them Friday. So we'll see what happens. But So basic materials, you know, uh, have been improving. Uh, Staples, we've been overweight for some time. Financials have been weakening for some reason. Don't know why. Utilities have been equal weight, and healthcare has been improving. Uh, and then it got bumped this week, so we'll see what happens. Uh, one thing we did notice is that the, the uh, 
domestic equities, uh, uh, or well, let's put it this way. If I looked at the U.S. money market versus Japan, I'd rather be in the U.S. money market. <laughs> so in bonds, everybody's asking about bonds. Well, I'd still be in floating rates for now. Uh, and some people, you know, some of those funds have inverse bond funds, you know, inverse interest rate funds. Uh, I'm not going that way. You know, some of that stuff, you know, they, they reset every day. So I, I don't – it's like the, you know, the triple um, down move in the Dow or the S&P 500 – yeah, they reset that every day. So every day you have to be right. So it's kind of tough. But crude's on a buy signal again, uh, which is interesting. Gold's still on a sell signal. It's been in a positive trend, though, uh, where, you know, oil turned up and it's in a negative trend. So it's, it's on a, so it's, it gets a little bit more complicated here. But one of the things we did notice is, um, you know, if I look at GSG, which is the uh, – uh, one of the uh, – Commodity index, the GSCI commodity index, and then I look at the Invesco uh, commodity index tracking at DBC, and then I look at the Wisdom Tree GCC. The Wisdom Tree looks okay, the DBC looks okay, but it's it's above its trend line, but it's starting to see you know you're starting to see some columns of O's there, and the GSG broke a double bottom. So really, you have to be paying attention to the commodities if you're involved in them, okay? So that that's all I'll have to say about that. Uh, I would suggest um, if we look at the long term, okay, you know, we keep talking about this, and, and I think it's important that you, you remember that we're at the bottom of the trend line for the S&P 500. You know, we talked about this last January, February, that we were at the top of the trend. So now, What's been happening the last couple of years is that we didn't go all the way down to the bottom other than 2020. We'd go down a little bit, go sideways. uh, So it wasn't bad. But remember, the S&P 500 has usually made the three major bull markets that we've seen. There's usually been a 2,300% return from the bottom. Okay. And what I'm talking about was 1929. If we just go up to 2,000%, you're talking about the S&P 500 being at 13,500 to 14,000. We're at 3950 or something like that right now. Okay? So there's still there still could be a long way to go. But don't forget, you know, 1987, the crash occurred in one of the greatest bull markets in history. The 1998 Russian ruble crisis happened in one of the greatest bull markets. Saddam Hussein rolled into Kuwait in 1990. You had a 20% correction that lasted a year and a half. So these things happen, okay? But the, the, what we're talking about is a secular bull market here, okay? Not, not just a bear market. You know, there's a secular bull market and a secular bear market. We just went through 13 years of a secular bull about bear market, and now we've turned up. So don't get too bullish. These things, these cycles last 16 to 18 years. Yes, there's some bad times. Yes, things happen, but you know there we go. But so we're in a reflation. Uh, you know, will we have reflation? I don't know. But remember the four-year cycle. We we've been talking about this for now about seven months. The four-year cycle says that 2024 will be the start of the uptrend again. So what probably happens over the next year is a sawtooth-type move. Now, will it lean up or will it go sideways? We won't know. You know, that's that's the hard part. Uh, and people will find out, but you know, 
Look, one of the things that we do uh, at, at RBC is we look at the four and the 13-month moving averages, and then we look at the momentum. And the momentum was extremely overbought back in January. That's what we said for a period of time. Now it's pretty oversold. Now, it hasn't started to turn completely yet, but we're showing early signs of a bottom, okay? Uh, so <laughs> it's hard because bottoms are messy. They're no fun, okay? It takes intestinal fortitude to buy into these times. And I've just been waiting for a pullback, you know, because we had a, a, a almost a 13% move in the S&P. So I figured we'd pull back a little bit and test that, you know, uptrend line one more, two more times, and then I'll start to buy again. But, you know, the bearishness, like I said, the put-to-call ratio is up there, folks. All right? That is one of the key things in bearishness. And the AAII bearish sentiment is still in the 50 range. So uh, there's no, not too many bulls to be found. Now, everybody keeps asking me about uh, foreign stocks and, and growth stocks. And when you stop asking, that'll probably be the time to buy. But the one thing about foreign stocks is I'm seeing some signs of life in Europe. But if you look at the, uh, the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, uh, the EFA is the symbol, versus the S&P 500, it's still in a downtrend. Okay? So when it breaks out, we'll pay attention. All right? So, yep. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back and talk about insiders. This is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. Caroling, caroling, now we go. Christmas bells are ringing. All of us come from somewhere. All of us have origin stories. From executive producer Larry Elder. Divine Providence was clearly operating in the lives of black Americans. And director Justin Malone. When I was growing up, we were never taught that America was bad. We were raised to love America. Comes the continuation of their 2020 hit film, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom Part 2, an American odyssey. Available on Salem Now. Brandon Tatum believes it's time to look inward. Do you think that, like, Republicans just didn't show up? We need to be looking internally and say, what are we doing wrong? We can go point the finger anywhere we want to point, but, like, what did we do wrong? What did we do? We put our best effort forward. Was it the best thing that we could do? And we produced the best product, and it just didn't work out. I can live with that. But we have to figure out what we are doing wrong and make it better. The Officer Tatum Show. Weeknights at 7 on AM 1420, The Answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. and uh, Now we're going to talk about insiders. Insiders know their companies better than we do. Uh, Now, I'm just saying that they're buying. I'm not looking... What Tim does is he reads all about the fundamentals. He looks at the chart, looks short-term, mid-term, long-term charts, and then he buys stuff. All right. 
So if you're going to buy these, you're on your own. <laughs> if you're my client, that's a different story. So um, Dying Therapeutics. Now, uh, J- Jason Rhodes is a director, and he's a pretty smart guy. He bought this at 10.7 and immediately popped to 13.50. So you want to be careful. But he bought $10 million worth. So that's quite a bit. And also, Hill Pass Capital Partners has been buying Dave and Buster's Entertainment uh, in a big way. And I'm talking about uh, they bought eight, they bought 7.8 million, 7.8 million, 6 million, 6 million, um, then 4 million, 4 million. And this is all last week, by the way. Uh, then they bought another 2 million, 2 million. Uh, then they bought another 1.6, 1.6. And and then I noticed uh, a gentleman that pretty much is a director and helps run the company bought some. uh, And he's the SVP chief information officer. He he bought half a million dollars worth. We like to see institutions buy and then have some of the other people step up to the plate. All right. So think about that. Also, uh, you know, we talked about Freshworks last week, and, and the, the, the member, the Excel leaders, who's a member of the group, and also uh, Samir Gandhi, Ganhi, sorry, they, they continue to buy. So they, they bought about $8.5 million each, which I thought was kind of uh, interesting. And then Anthony Nodo, who is a pretty smart guy, worked for Goldman Sachs. He's the chief executive officer of SoFi. Uh, stepped up to the plate and bought uh, 2.9 million shares. You may recall he bought quite a bit bit of stock uh, this summer, so uh, it's kind of interesting. And we had a director at Global Indemnity Property Group uh, bought, uh, you know, 2.2 million. Uh, so that, that's a pretty good size uh, chunk, chunk too. And then we also FB Financial Group, which got really beat up this week, and I, I didn't see why. Uh, it was 41. It's now 34. And uh, at 39, a, a former director, uh, Jim Ayers, who's a pretty smart guy, bought $1.9 million worth of stock. And Bryant Riley continues to buy more of his stock. And Riley, it's B. Riley Financial. He bought $1.6 million. There were several other people, uh, several other buys by him. He bought 900000 a couple days before that. And uh, I can't find the other one. Uh, anyway, also Lionsgate, uh, you know, Gordon Crawford, has been buying the stock uh, 100,000 shares at a time. He bought both the A and B to the tune of $1.2 million. Uh, and he's been, he's been buying pretty much all summer long. So uh, that's something to pay attention to. You know, I forgot Anthony Noto from SoFi bought twice. He also bought $1.5 million uh, back on the 13th. And I uh, uh, failed to mention that. Uh, and also uh, Global Indemnity, uh, we had Gary Tolman, who's also a director, bought another million dollars worth of them uh, coming up. And then we had uh, Selsudi, which is in the diagnostics area. Uh, Brian Sullivan, who's the chief executive officer, bought a, another uh, $1.5 million worth of that stock, too. So we're seeing a, a lot of buys. And Jay Farner, again, at uh, Rocket, uh, bought his usual 100,000 shares this week. Jay's been going crazy. And for those of you guys who are looking for hope in in some of the down and out, uh, uh, you know, a crypto stuff is uh, Marathon Digital. Uh, Kevin Denusio bought three hundred thirty three thousand dollars worth of stock, and I'll, I'll say this: uh, Kevin was the guy who started the run from thirty the thirties into the seventies for that company. Uh, so uh, you know, you always like to see that occur. All right. 
So, you know, multiple uh, buys in that particular area. Um, and you know, I, there's a, there's been a lot of insider buying just in the last uh, month. I'll just say that, you know, we had more uh, million dollar buys this week than we've had in four weeks. Uh, we did have also overseas shipping group, uh, you know, president and CEO, Sam Norton, who's a pretty smart guy, bought, and then Wolverine worldwide, which got crushed. You know, it was an $18 stock is now 10. We had uh, a director buy a uh, million dollars worth and NSA national storage, which got crushed. Also, we had a director buy a bunch of that too. So there was one other one, and I, I I was looking at the stock, and I don't know if this is for you know not for widows or orphans, but it's called Membership Collective Group, and and Mark Ean, E I N, he's a pretty smart guy. Uh, he bought one point three million dollars worth of that too. So uh, there you go. So uh, look, I think one of the things that people have been so used to in the last couple of, or last year is the Mimi stocks. You know, let's buy this. And it doesn't have any fundamentals, but we'll make it go up anyway, okay? That ain't going to work for a while, okay? So, matter of fact, I think those, you know, those companies probably are shorts. Uh, and so people are asking me, you know, what, what, what do you do? I think you go back to this dividend growth. If you want the dividend growth portfolio, you know, you, know, you just go to the WHK webpage, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. There's all sorts of contact me, email me. Don't forget, there's uh, under the Insight banner, uh, which is uh, the banner at the top, uh, you go there, and uh, there's all sorts of new research. And I think we got our 2023 uh, preview out there, too. Uh, and then under Bulletin Board, you know, you have Rob Schleimer's stuff. Uh, and his newsletter is a brief overview of the markets. Very good. And we also have, we tell you what happened last week. And there's a newsletter there. It's a weekly thing. And check in on a, on, a, on the, the wealth plan if you'd like. Remember, you don't, now you can test this out with our wealth plan to see if you like it be, before you become a client. You know, it's that simple. So uh, it's a pretty, pretty good deal. But look, if we look long term, the 10 year treasury yield now, not, not the bond, the bond's been in a 40 year bull market. And it broke the downtrend line. So is it going back to zero or 0.31 like where it was in 2020? No. It's probably going to go back to the uptrend line and then bounce for a while. And, you know, look, the Congress has spent a lot of money. Okay. You know, we, we got, you know, some estimates are between two and six trillion dollars in spending that they passed in two years. With no Republican votes, from what I understand. You know, I'm a Republican, so I can say that. Uh, and so there's a lot of spending coming out of government. And if you don't think your taxes are going up, I think that's a that's a wrong thing. But and the dollar followed it. Well, you know, so the dollar's been in a downtrend for 36 years. Things have changed. All right, dividend growth is going to be important. The prime income list is having a great year. You know, our friends at Marshfield are deep, deep value players. People hated them because they wouldn't invest for a while. Now they love them. <laughs> All right. They're up this year. They were up last year big if you've been around. They're up like 35, 36%, and they're still up. So they didn't give it back. Those are key ingredients to investing. It's not how you do in the up markets. Okay. You know, don't mix brains 
and a bull market. Okay, it's easy to make money in a bull market. It's in bad markets that the brains come out. Okay, that's you know when the tide goes out, that's when we see who's not wearing shorts or bathing suits. Okay, that's simple. So look, if you want to sit down and have a conversation about your portfolio, do a wealth plan. Set up an appointment with me. Uh, I've got a bunch next week, but the you know week between the, the holidays, I'm pretty much open. All right, so sit down. We'll talk about dividend growth. We'll talk about the prime income list. Like I said, the wealth plan is important too to you. And for those people who run small businesses, don't forget our boy Dane Topich at Dunbar and Bender. He can put together these plans, so you get to put you get to hide more from the government. Believe me, the growth of an asset when you're not paying taxes on it is a lot better than when you're paying taxes on it. So if you can figure out a way to put more away and hide it from the government for a while, I mean, they're going to get theirs eventually, right? But it it grows faster in that particular situation. So uh, I'll I'll stress this one more time, and I'm sorry if I'm beating a dead horse, but dividend growth, the prime income list, I think there'll become a time when our best idea list will come into play. And don't forget your oil stocks. You know, if they're... If they hold here, it could be a great buying opportunity. We don't know yet. We got to, you know, it's we're we're watching carefully. Uh, but in the meantime, the insiders are buying. Remember that, okay? The insiders are buying. So, hey, set up appointment, uh, do a wealth plan, get the dividend growth portfolio. Uh, those stocks have done well. So is the prime income list. I think, uh, you know, you should pay very close attention to that group and send, send away for them if you want. In the meantime, you know, one more week till Christmas. Uh, I'll be on next Saturday um, and uh, we'll talk about the new year because it's coming soon. Uh, you know, new year is probably a good time to start a wealth plan. In the meantime, have a great weekend and uh, don't forget to buy low and sell high. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.